Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Mark Fernandez, Darth Sidious, Mark Sidious. Breaking news. It's here. What's here? A tweet. A tweet. <laughs> okay. From Anthony Breaking Daniels. Tweet. Breaking Anthony, tweet. Anthony Daniels. From the Angry Bird. Just broke the internet. People are losing their mind. And I'm glad it happened <clears throat> right as we started recording here. Okay. He writes, how strange. I'm receiving images of something amazing coming towards us, traveling over decades through space and time, reaching out to all humans on this planet with its message. What could it be? Should I be afraid? Should you? Stay tuned. Is that the title? Are we getting the title? Tomorrow? He's saying stay tuned. So here's what the internet is doing. Okay. Assuming we're getting the title tomorrow, that it's going to come tomorrow. Now, we are recording. We are pre-recording. You're going to get this rule of two on a Tuesday. Early morning. Early morning. We are yeah. doing this now. Tuesdays. Yeah, so it's from, rule of two day. Yeah. From now on, um, what we're gunning for is our rule of two is going to drop, I believe, at 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. Correct. Moving forward. So we are now recording on Mondays. Yes. And releasing on Tuesdays. Because we want to get it out there to you. We want to get it out there to you. So we might be missing whatever news happens between Monday and Tuesday. So if, in fact, Anthony Daniels, right, who's who's been in the media a lot more than the normal recently, right? I mean, he just he just went out on Twitter and wrapped he he wrapped episode nine. Yeah. And then he he gave this very heartfelt tweet that some of these actors do when they've yeah. been, you know, doing iconic performances, iconic parts, whether it's a Marvel or DC. I mean, he's maybe been in three minutes of the sequels. Yeah. He's he's had that much time. Yeah. But he went out and said, oh, my God, it's my last day. And everybody started responding to that tweet so saying, he, 3PO bites it. Yeah. He, I, 3PO's I he, getting blown right, up. And we talked about this last time, the yeah. thumbs up T2 moment. Yeah. The t- <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, yeah. We could yeah. see that. So now he's tweeting again and everybody's losing their mind. And rightly, and, and me too. I want to know what's coming. Um, yeah, maybe it's the, you know, maybe it's the thing. Look, I, 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 find it, I find it hard, especially with the last tweet. That we got from Mark Hamill. We got another one today. Another Mark Hamill tweeted again? Yeah. What's he saying Another slight jab at the sequels. Oh, boy. Here we are. Yeah, read that one. Uh, I'm just going to his Twitter account now. Where – what's what's the – I mean – Disappointed there was no Star Wars trailer shown during the Super Bowl? Agonizing however – how long you have to wait until they drop the title? Relax. 
Futurama predicted it years ago. We all know cartoons never lie. Star Wars 9, Yoda's Bar Mitzvah was the title. <laughs> this can't be it. Did, did he actually write all that? Yeah, he he wrote all that. Hold on one second. Hamill himself. Mm-hmm. Sorry, guys. This is not a good uh, opening for us. But oh, he changed um, – it's funny. He changed his avatar because okay. uh, there was a funny story or uh, some, fun, some funny tweet stuff happening that his avatar and Nathan's avatar were very similar. Uh, yeah. And funny I, enough, I he spoke, changed – Yep, I spoke to Nathan about it. Yes. <laughs> funny enough, they changed the uh, the avatar. Okay. Um, no, but he wrote – where is it? Um, hmm. I'm looking. Oh, I don't see it. I do not see it. Well, it's probably best. Yeah, it's probably best. But anyway, back back to your point. Yeah. Um. Anthony Daniels, it's it's hard for me to see the Anthony Daniels as a source of Star Wars breaking news, even though that's actually kind of a, a stupid thing to say because Anthony Daniels, I'll never forget Anthony Daniels was the voice of the Heir to the Empire audiobook. Yes, he was. You know, he did an incredible job with that. Mm-hmm. He's been the only guy, I believe – that's been in almost all the movies with the exception of Solo. Right. You know, so um, was he in the Clone Wars too? Yeah. He was, right? Yeah. 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 So this is this is a staple of the Star Wars universe. And, you know, look, nobody – typically when you're in the type of security and secure environment of a Disney, of a, a, of a Lucasfilm, mm-hmm. information is doled out very, very, very specifically – so I, I would agree that there's something there. So maybe, look, maybe tomorrow we will get the name of of the new Star Wars Episode Nine, and it will not be part of the Rule of Two show. And if that's the case, we apologize in advance. That's a long-winded yes. That's exactly <laughs> true. In case something does drop and the, the, the bastions of the saga, the people that protected secrets have given this – to an unlikely hero in C-3PO to give us this information, we'll welcome it. Yes, we'll, we'll take it, it and we will talk about it. But we got a special show in front of us right now because it's episode 25 of Rule of Two. Rise. That's right. Welcome one and all. Episode 25, Rule of Two. It's yeah. here. It's a celebration of the Star Wars universe here on Collider's Jedi Council Podcast One Feed and on Collider Videos where you're watching us right now. How are you, sir? I'm good. Well, look, man, if 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 people are tuning in, the sort of rule of two purists, as oh, I call yeah. them, which is which is our crew, which is our people. Um, and look, uh, Riley and I, we read the comments. We love the tweets. We love the community that's building around this podcast and mm. that's building around our conversations. And our conversations are sparked really by you guys in a lot of ways, right? And I think yeah. today's show is very true to that. Yes, that's a long-winded way of me saying, again, we are going to do the top 10 Star Wars moments. Moments. In, in cinema, okay? And That's this is right. A, this, is a, this is a suggestion that came in through Twitter. Mm-hmm. Do you got um, the dude's yeah. name? Joseph, at Joseph SC underscore 79. Yeah. Hit us up with this, and we both looked at each other and went, yeah. Yeah, so look, we gotta but do that. it's not all roses, okay? Because if, if if that if that cold open felt a little awkward, it's because Riley and I have mm. just been through 
uh, maybe what two hours of debate. Hell and back, man. Yeah, we went through hell and back to get to this list. Yeah, it's a good list. It's I, a good. Li- I stand by the list. I stand by the list. I'm not sure if it's the exact list that I would go with. No, same. Um, same on the other side. So look, it was a heated. Yes. Debate, okay, and the way that we have sort of come to terms with this debate is that we're going to talk about our honorable mentions out of scenes that didn't make it in that we both kept going back and forth on. Right. This is all correct. Thank you for allowing me to still have a job here. I know you were on the the edge right there. It got heated. It got more heated than it's gotten before. You you looked at me and I went, oh, shit, I'm about to lose my job. But nope, here we are. We came up with the list, and it was a great suggestion. Joseph, thank you f- so much for that. And uh, we do want to hear from you guys. So um, while you're doing this, play along with us. Write down yours. Like as I'm speaking right now, as we kind of gear up to this list, we did have the the communal list that we're going to share with you. But we had the honorable mentions, as Fernandez mentioned. But while I'm saying all this, start jotting down yours. Yeah. And then drop them in the comments at the end of the show. Yeah. Or drop them in while you're listening Your to the show. Your top ten Star Wars moments. Moments, and they can you can define it yourself. Yeah. Some of, some of them are moments that are limited instant. to the cinema. Yes, it's only the movies. We're not doing TV. We're not doing books or comics or video games or anything. Yeah. Just the movies for now. And if this works, we can do TV maybe later once we get some Mandalorian episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we could do some comics, what have you. But that, of course, we're going to start with the movies because this is our bread and butter. This is what we love. How do you want to start this? So look, why don't we start with some of the honorable mentions, i.e. some of the ones that didn't make into the list that I thought were pretty good. Yeah. Um, For me, one that didn't make it into the list that I thought was a really strong scene and I can watch it over and over and over and over again, which again is my kind of barometer of being – of really liking something is being able to keep watching it again and again and again and still find nuances and new things and fun stuff about that moment. For me, one that didn't make it into the list that I absolutely love this scene is the introduction of Kylo Ren in mm. The Force Awakens. That's a great one. You know, yeah. um, of the his ship coming down, the interceptor. Uh, actually, I'm not sure exactly what, what the ship is called, but mm-hmm. his ship landing um, on Jakku, him coming down, um, mm-hmm. the, you know, like the, um, the slide or whatever you want to call it. Classic Sith kind of uh, yeah. entrance here. He's, yeah. he's really taken after his, father, his grandfather. And his body posture and the way that that Adam Driver does such a great job in the mask mm-hmm. and and the incredible costume design of the original Kylo Ren. I don't love the Last Jedi Kylo Ren as much in terms of costume design, but that costume design of the of of Kylo Ren in, in uh, Force Awakens I think is brilliant. And yeah. that scene of Kylo Ren talking with um, the old man. Lor Santeca. Lor Santeca. Poor guy. And, you know, saying how right you are and, you know, now you'll give it to the First Order. That that whole scene I thought was excellent with the with the stopping of the laser. Yeah, I was going to go to the – that was the money shot for me. Yeah, you know, like for me um, – that opening scene got me so friggin' excited in the th- like like in the cinema. I was like, "Wow, this is going to be an incredible movie." Yeah, we all know that I have my problems with the with the Force Awakens as it progresses, but the introduction I thought of Kylo Ren was absolutely incredible. Honorable yep. mention. It's a great honorable mention. I agree with it. I loved it. Um, you get who Kylo Ren is. <clears throat> excuse me. Right at that particular part. I'm going to I'm going to throw one out there right now that is like so honorable and nobody mentions it. Okay. And that's Luke taking down an Adat 
with his lightsaber on foot in Hoth during the Battle of Hoth. Yeah. I love it. I love the music. It really shows how Luke Skywalker can, you know, he can improvise when needed, use the force when needed. But he he just walks right under that walker, goes up there with a zip line, uses his lightsaber, gets a bomb in there. The music is swelling. One of the walkers is taken down by Luke Skywalker on foot. Love it. Yeah, look, it's a great scene. I, but it's not a big like, oh. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, you know, for me, it's not one of those moments that like you close your eyes and you're trying to get inspired by something and that image pops up in my head. Right. Um, Agree with you. In that scene, I actually, and, and this is a debate, you know, it feels like we're kind of treading old ground, but it's actually only me and Riley heard this. But yeah. in that scene, my, my counter to that scene is that it's really, for me, about the cable, the, the tow cable. Yeah. And like making uh, the ad-ad trip up, I That's, thought. Yeah. Was 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 the more memorable moment as even used in um, in uh, uh, Civil War. Civil War, yeah, right? Civil War. Exactly, and I I agree with that. That's more instantly recognizable. It's yeah. it's a it's a it's something that the rebel pilots knew they needed to do, and and then it's a callback later in Civil War, some thirty years later. Well, that's a good one. Um, yeah, I have some smaller moments where people don't know. Yeah. That like one of my memorable uh, honorable mentions is R2 saving the day at the end of Empire Strikes yeah, Back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a good moment. That's a it's good a moment. It's a great moment, but it's just – it's one for me that I always get – one, I get the chills every time because yeah. of John Williams' score. But they're, it's, it's tragic. They didn't get to Han in time. They watch him fly off with Boba Fett. Then they're cornered. Then they're running through Bespin. Then they get to a locked door and they're like, R2, do something. R2 is there talking to the computer, learns the Millennium Falcon – and the hyperdrive has been turned off, unlocks the door, it opens, music swells, they start running. R2 does a smoke screen, right? He makes all the, that smoke so that the stormtroopers can't see him and that music swelling because it's this great mm. refrain of the Han and Leia's theme that just everything is working together. John Williams is really making you feel it. You're like, oh, are they going to make it? Are they going to make it? And it swells and there comes R2. And they get away in time. Yeah, I just a, love that moment. Look, it's a great heroic moment for one of our greatest heroes. R2-D2. Who, who, who I thought was very poorly placed on our top ten heroes list. Yes, but he was. That's a podcast for another day. That is. But um, look, for me, one that Riley – and I think even Christian was in the room when I mentioned this one and they mm-hmm. both looked at me cross-eyed. Um, but I stand behind it. Okay. okay? Because I stand behind its um, – the consequences and the effect – and the reverberations that it had across, I think, cinematic set pieces in particular. Mm-hmm. And this is the pod race. Yeah. You know, for me, um, I watched Alita uh, Battle Angel last week, which I recommend. I thought it was actually really cool. For good things, actually. Yeah, so, you know, it's not, it's not an incredible story, but yeah. in terms of cinematic achievement and technology, it might be the most advanced piece of film I've ever seen. Right on. From a, from a, from a, from a um, uh, special effects perspective, CGI incorporation, all these yeah. kinds of things. But there are several set pieces inside Alita Battle Angel that feel like you're watching the pod race, yeah. you know, and like you can tell how influential that pod race scene actually really was. You look at even the Last Jedi, and 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 you look at that scene um, of uh, in um, the what, what's the name of that uh, casino planet? Oh, Canto Bight. Canto Bight. You look at the Canto Bight scene, and then you look at the deleted scenes, 
and you look at the ambition that Ryan Johnson actually wanted to do with the Cantobite scene, which yeah. was much, much, much longer. Right. Um, it was basically his version of the pod race. Yeah. You know? That's what I heard. The pod race is a – oh, you still haven't seen that deleted scene? Uh, yeah, no, I saw what his uh, comments were. Oh, right, right, right. No, 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 like that I've heard that he wanted to like get a little Phantom Menace flair. Yeah, yeah. And um, anyway, it's a tough deleted scene to watch, to watch again. Yeah, That's yeah. why I, I, I wasn't surprised he hadn't seen it. But I thought the pod race from a set piece perspective, I mean, look, it was very long, 15, 20-minute scene. Mm-hmm. But there was something really well architected about it. So anyway, I had the pod race in there, honorable mention. It's a great honorable mention. Uh, yeah, one it wouldn't have made my list, probably not even an honorable mention. But I, the thing that we were talking about as we were comparing notes is like, whoa, I, I'm heavy on the original trilogy. Yeah. Shocker, you had so some prequel. Yeah, so were you. But we wanted to get in prequels. We wanted to get in sequels. We wanted to get in. Yeah, we wanted everything. to get some representation across the movies, right? Because there are. If you take some of the nostalgia glasses off, okay, which with Star Wars, it's very difficult to do. Right. Nostalgia paralysis in Star Wars is as strong as Kylo Ren's ability to freeze lasers in space. Yes, it is. It, it, it's, it's tough. But if you look at these films individually, they do have scenes that can compete in terms of powerful moments with any of the other movies. Yeah. And I think we ended up with a good list. But do you have any other honorable mention you want to throw in there? Um, I'm, you know what? Just a couple, uh, Luke in the sail barge catching the lightsaber in Return of the Jedi. Mm, that's, that's a, a great good one. one. Just the, one. the music again, bump, bump. He's looking yeah. around. He's making sure the plan's in place. And then what is what's R two doing up there? So great that moment. Da-na. Yeah. And then he f- turns around, flips. That is a great moment. And Return of the moment. Jedi, indeed. He's yeah. back, folks. Yeah. Look, that moment might might replace a few moments that we threw in there, but yeah, I love that moment. But I'm also throwing uh, the end of Revenge of the Sith when uh, when we see where Luke and Leia end up. Mm. The music. We get to see Alderaan. We get to see Bale and his wife, and they're taking care of little baby Leia. Then we cut over to Obi Wan. Yeah. Twin sons to fall back. He's looking, thing. thinking about it, goes into the desert to be in exile. And it's just one of those yeah. moments the music makes it. Look, I want to throw one more in there. Okay, do because it. Because it might be, and I'm surprised this one didn't make the list because it might be my, you know. It's like one of those favorite moments in all of Star Wars. But it it's it's the Emperor's, and people might be shocked that this didn't make the list. But it's the Emperor's conversation with Luke aboard the second Death Star and Return mm-hmm. of the Jedi. It's great. Strike me down with your weapon. Mm-hmm. You know, use your anger. All of those great moments between the Emperor and Luke when, when the Emperor is very confidently, oh, I'm afraid oh, he's that, uh, you know, that we're quite safe. You know, all, yeah. that, all that moment. Um, to me, look, it's a very, very, very long scene uh, with, with an ensuing saber battle and all that stuff. I, for me, honorable mention, that entire moment is, I think, some of the best Star Wars has ever brought us. Yep. I agree with that. I love that. It's the Emperor. He's, uh, he's really good at just twisting it with, with Luke there. Yeah. And Luke fights the good fight for a while. Turns yeah. his back on him and then gets it. Yeah. I and ultimately, it. it was the Emperor talking about his friends that got him. Oh, yeah. Always with Luke. Yeah. That's how Vader gets him out from under his hiding place. Few scenes later, because oh, sister, if I can't turn you, I'm going to turn her. Yeah, and I look if you there think about goes. it, it's um, it's a good, it's a good um, reflection or a good, um, you know, brought by a good antecedent in the prequels of that attachment is the path to the dark side, right? 
That's what gets them. You know, and like ultimately, they it, it, it's something that's like resolved in, in Return of the Jedi, or at least the last ditch effort to turn Luke mm-hmm. is to uh, expose his attachments. Yes, you know, which is very interesting. I love it. Those are some great honorable mentions, but let's get into the main oh, list. Boy. This, this one's gonna be, gonna, this, this is going to be fun. Let's go backwards, ten to one. Yeah, of course. This, okay, this is going to be somebody. This is yeah. You're all going to nod. You're going to go, why is this not higher, lower, all of that? You know how we do our top ten lists here. Incite the dialogue. Incite the conversation. Yeah. Again, put your top ten scenes yes. down there. I want to you know? hear them because we might miss some completely. Yeah. And we want to hear from you, and then, uh, look, gotcha nothing, or otherwise. Nothing is to say that we can't redo this list one day. We're going to hear some of your guys out there listening at home. We're going to hear some of your lists and go, damn, yeah. you're right. Yeah. And I can't wait for that moment. But yeah. Here we go. Number 10. I'm going to say it. Do it. Duel of Fates. Duel of the Fates. Duel of the Fates. And this is Obi-Wan and uh, Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, and Darth Maul at the end of The Phantom Menace. Unbelievable scene. And there's a lot. Like there were little mentions that we we talked about. Like one of yours that really stuck with me when we were breaking this down was Maul like a caged animal when the force field's up waiting for Obi-Wan. Incredible. Uh, and Qui-Gon because Qui-Gon, what I love about that scene more than anything is Qui-Gon goes down to meditate. Yeah. And Maul is a caged animal showing the different ways in which Sith and Jedi yeah, it's the take beauty, to battle. It's the beauty of cinema, which is telling a story with sight and sound. Yeah. And, no comment on it. And dialogue, dialogue didn't show up till later. Right. You know, the art form was born by using sound and Music picture and, yep. in combination and telling a story of a character through that. And in that scene, in that one moment that you're talking about, uh, Maul caged inside the force fields, is you have all three personalities. And I believe we've touched on this before on the show, but yeah. you have Qui-Gon meditating. Mm-hmm. You have Obi-Wan prepping for the he's, fight. Yeah, he's, he's like he's a jumping. bundle in energy. He's, he's like jumping. getting ready. Yeah, yeah, he's ready for it. He's like a yep. boxer, like right, you know, right, you know, right before that. the thing. And then you have Maul, yeah. you know, our Sith Lord. Just like caging, saying, I'm going to fuck you up. Yep. He's just like waiting for you, waiting for them. So a lot of moments in Duel of Fates. There's also the great – I mean losing Qui-Gon. That did get me in the movie theater watching him say to Obi-Wan, the boy. It's the boy. Train the boy. Train the boy. That's your last thing that you need to do for me. And on his deathbed, he makes Obi-Wan promises. There's so many good moments. Even leading into that, the reveal of of Darth Maul. As the doors open and he pulls the double lightsaber out, everybody lost and their the mind. Song, the song, and the song, uh, music, the, the titular mm-hmm. uh, piece of music that accompanies that scene. Yeah, I can't say it, nor will I sing it. But that's a good one. That's yeah. number ten, Duel of Fates. Duel of the Fates. Duel of the Fates. At number ten, we go on to number nine. That's right, folks. You're getting some Last Jedi action. It's the throne room scene. It's cutting Snoke in half. It's all that. Yeah. And it's here at number nine. I had to fight for this one. <laughs> Not going to lie. <laughs> he but did have it, to fight for it. He did have to fight which for it. Look, was, why don't you state some of your points? Well, one, it's one of the great action scenes with the lightsabers. I know that there's the, the people out there that didn't like it, that we didn't get the you know, the It clash, wasn't a lightsaber you know, fight. It was, it was um, two you know what? force wielders taking down. It wasn't a lightsaber duel. No. It wasn't a lightsaber duel. It was a lightsaber fight. It was a lightsaber fight. It was a lightsaber action set piece. Yes. But what really I think brought it in for you to, to put it on this list is you loved the the 
cutting Snoke in half when Kylo Ren goes flick and yeah. then boom, that happens. I love her grabbing her, – her hand coming out of frame, grabbing the lit saber and then the music swells. But they look at each other and then it's time. It's go time. What, what I like – I don't like so much the getting cut in half part. Because I actually think that that's counterintuitive and maybe you heard me wrong and maybe that's why somehow you convinced me to put this on the list. Oh, maybe. But what I do love about this scene and I think it's a very, very – it is a strong scene. And and what I love about this scene, there's two things about it. Number one, I love how our characters got to this scene. Yes. Okay, Because like that – with me and filmmaking or with me and storytelling in general is is the journey of the character – um, actually letting me see the growth before my eyes, mm-hmm. right? So everything that happened leading up to this scene was really all of these moments between Kylo and Ray, right? Yeah. This kind of tension between Kylo and Ray. We have more in common than you think. That amazing scene on Octu where Kylo literally touches Ray's hands mm-hmm. and Luke comes in and destroys the hut. Right. Um, that that really cool scene aboard the Millennium Falcon, where cut where uh, where where Ray gets into the escape pod and shoots herself into uh, Snoke's ship. What they had to do to get there mm-hmm. was, I thought, very 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 cool. Love it. And this happens in the middle of the movie, kind of like when we talk about our outline mechanism. Yes, it's, it's number four, right? Yes, it's the one that's in the middle. Exactly. You know, um, but and then. What I thought was an incredible moment between Kylo and Snoke where, where Snoke says, like, don't even think about it because I, th- I know what this guy is thinking two steps ahead of when he's thinking it. Right. He's got no chance because right. I, 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 can, I, I know what he's about to think, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, you have um, him beating the crap out of Ray very, very easily, choking her, doing all that stuff to her. And then you have that ruse of Kylo of flipping the saber around and him not catching on to that little trick. No, because so, he's reading his mind saying, I'm going to kill my enemy right now. And Snoke thinks he's going to kill Ray. Right. And so he's reading. This is, the, this is my read on it. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. And But no, that he he's fooling him because he is two steps ahead of him. Always yeah. is what we got. Right. And then somehow Kylo was able to manipulate that very thing to be the thing that ultimately brought his down his demise or we think is his demise because we've seen we've seen several other people get split in half and and survive. Right. And we don't know. Yeah. Maybe there is some Snoke action in episode nine. We don't know. We don't know. But look, I can't deny a few things about this scene. Number one, it's beautifully photographed. Yep. Um, number two, the setup I thought was incredible. Yep. I personally didn't love the fight itself because – Which you're crazy because I love it. Yeah. But no, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm giving you shit. I just never felt the – for me, that whole fight was leading up to one thing. And it's what I thought was the opportunity to make this whole sequel trilogy something extremely interesting, which is that – at the end of that scene, our characters are basically the same as they were at the beginning of the scene. Mm. And that to me is my ultimate problem with this scene. And that's why I don't – even though I do love a lot of things about this scene, I don't hold it up there as one of those moments in Star Wars that inspire me when I close my eyes and I try to think about what to do with my life, which a lot of these other moments do. Yeah. You know? You know, that it's a good point. Um, I don't know if it's like because it's so new still mm. whether this scene will live on. 
and become what you just kind of instantly recognizable, instantly iconic in the mind of a Star Wars fan and say, I go there to get excited about Star Wars. That's where it is for me now. I'll yeah. watch this scene over and over again. There was a great uh, Twitter thread that was happening like a, a last year where it's like they're cutting the music. They're putting different music into it or they're just playing that scene again. And I would – every time it appeared in Twitter, I would sit there and watch it again. I love it and I love it for the exact opposite reason that you – it didn't land with you that mm. well. It's because I know that they're, they didn't change by the end of this. But to me, that was the whole point of that journey. Just fair. Yeah, because she was like – she thought, oh, you just offed your, your buddy. You're, you're now joining me and he's showing her I'm this powerful. You join me now. Classic Sith move. Yeah. And then they both come to that moment at the end where they have to pull the lightsaber apart and it metaphorically and physically breaks in half. Yeah. It still yeah. works for me. I love it because yeah. that was the point that I got from to it. To me, a lot of these scenes that we're going to talk about, I think, are parables. You know, yeah. and, and like I think when when a scene in Star Wars elevates itself to parable level, mm. where you can look at that one scene and you can say, "Oh, I can use that scene as a lesson in life." Yeah. You know, yeah. There's stuff about this scene that I don't see those parable like things in it. Mm. But look, ultimately. If you're gonna pick up, like, pick one scene in the Last Jedi where you're like, "Damn, that was some really iconic stuff," it's yeah. definitely this scene. That scene, and I think there could be an argument made, and I would even go back retroactively and put it as an honorable mention: the Holdo maneuver. Mm. It's it's so just striking. It's iconic. It's very and it's, beautiful. And it's very beautiful. We'll see if it stands the test of time. What do you think of the Holdo maneuver? I ju- it just occurred to me that's an honorable mention. I'm putting that in an honorable number mention. Number ten, we got Duel of the Fates, right? I can't. I'm not changing this. Yeah, list. number nine. We we, got we lost room. too much. Yeah, we to lost too much this, this morning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we almost lost our friendship. We almost lost. The <laughs> you friendship. were my brother, Riley. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. All right. All right. So we got throne room battle in the Last Jedi at number nine. At number eight. Yeah. Obi Wan, which I think is very low on the list, by the way. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Duly noted. Obi-Wan, Anakin, Mustafar duel. You knew that was coming based on that comment right there. Yeah. A little too low on the list, but I'm I'm happy. It wasn't even on my list. wasn't even honorable mention, but when you brought it up, because of not only what it means for the saga, not only what it means for the movie itself, but mm-hmm. just when you put yourself into Obi-Wan's shoes, Anakin's shoes, anybody's shoes in that particular moment, this thing is is a lot of emotion spilling over. And I really did think about it, and I love it, and yeah. I want it on here. Yeah, and, and like, look, also the pure cinematic um, achievement of the of the scene itself mm-hmm. with this amazing fight between these two brothers um, that ends up with that line, you were my brother, Anakin, you were supposed to bring balance to the force, not leave it in darkness. Right. So not only and, – and to me, this is such a, you know, a powerful scene – because not only is he telling Anakin, you let me down, okay? You were supposed to bring balance to the Force, not leave it in darkness. Mm-hmm. But it's also him being upset at Qui-Gon. Yeah. Because Qui-Gon, a man who he respected more than anybody, a man who gave him his moral compass, yeah, right, told him, teach this boy. So not only did he, did, is he failed by Anakin— but he feels like he's been led down a winless battle by the man who he respected more than anybody. Right. So he's only he's not only screaming at Anakin, he's also 
yelling a little bit of Qui-Gon. I think so, and, and at himself, too. It just occurred to me how much it might hurt him that he yeah. needs to be the Jedi that he is, the master Jedi on top of it. He can't have that failure weigh him down, but it's got to weigh Obi-Wan. He's in the desert after this. He's yeah. sitting for years watching over Luke. You don't think he's ever thought that I failed Anakin. Yeah. It was me. Look, and presumably, because we get this at the end of Render the Sith, and I know we've talked about this a lot, mm. presumably Yoda is like, you're going to be isolated, alone, but you still have work to do. Yes. And that work is coming to terms with Qui-Gon. Right. You know, so there's there's some unfulfilled Qui-Gon thing going on there. Yes. That I maybe agree. one day will be explored. But um yeah, the Battle of Mustafar, the um, the Jedi choreo- choreography. I always get that word choreography. right. Choreography. Choreography. Yeah. Um, incredible. Yep. I, I can watch this scene again and again. Um, the throwback to Empire Strikes Back when they're fighting in that corridor. Yep. Um, the... The, you know, only a Sith deals in absolutes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I guess whatever. He's like, you will try. And like, you know, the... Just the the battle between these two guys um, is a scene in Star Wars that I can watch again and again and again and again. And every time I watch it, I learn something new to add to the parable of Star Wars. So there it is. anyway, number eight's a bit low for me, especially with some of the other ones that are on this list. But again, it was uh, our own duel of the fates in Battle of Our Own Mustafar. It was a few hours ago. It was. Number eight. But it made it, and it's a good it's a good one, and I'm glad it's on here. So we go on to number seven, which might uh, be a shocker. This is one that actually you brought up. Yeah, because I actually really like this scene. I don't know if it's number seven, but yeah. there's something about this scene that I truly love. Uh, and now looking at it, maybe we should flip it. But it is what it is Okay, for now. For now. And it is? The intro of Rey, the character yeah. of Rey in Force Awakens. We really responded to this when he brought it up. I went, "Oh, you're not, you're not, you're not wrong." And I was thinking about it in our conversation. I happen to be my new favorite thing is my Alexa. I say, "Alexa, play some Star Wars." Yeah, and she goes, "No problem." She yeah. starts playing some Star Wars, and Ray's theme came on. Not just Ray's theme, but like the whole suite that Williams did from the movie that turns into it's called the Scavenger. And so we meet her. She's in the mask. She's in a Star Destroyer. She's scrapping. She's grabbing things. She comes up, and that music starts playing. Blum, 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 blum. She slides down. She's getting her stuff. We see her in action. She's going to change these parts, get some food. She's staying alone. She's got the rebel helmet. It's a fantastic yeah, opening. And look, and for me, the, the, the thing that I re- respond to so strongly with this scene is that when you first – and I'll never forget the first time I watched The Force Awakens and you see this scene, it basically hypnotizes you. Oh, yeah. It, it, you're, you're completely yeah. hypnotized. All suspension of disbelief is out the window. You are in this magical fantasy land yeah. with this character who's not talking. Nope. Okay? She doesn't say one word. She's just acting out these things. You know she's a scavenger. And then you see the incredible vastness of Jakku. You see her on her little shield thing that she uses as a sled mm-hmm. going down the side of the dune, the music playing, the angle, and then the cut back to the big wide open scene. Yeah, with the fallen Star Destroyer, the fallen X-Wing. I mean, these are the Star Wars feels that people were waiting for for, for over a decade. Yes. I mean, and, and like delivered on the screen. Look, again, I have trouble. Chef's kiss. Yes, chef's kiss. I have trouble with The Force Awakens. 
But I absolutely love The Force Awakens up until the point where they leave Jakku. Mm-hmm. I think from the beginning to the point where they meet Han Solo, that little chunk of The Force Awakens to me is damn near flawless. And I can't even believe I'm saying that out loud. Yeah. But it's damn it. near flawless. It really is. To, to give you an introduction to a new character in this way where it's the visuals to to echo what you're saying, but also like the vastness of, of Jakku and the juxtaposition of this nobody mm. in the middle of something, right? I mean that was the whole point. That was what the visual text is telling you. She's a nobody and you are surrounded by iconography that – Every Star Wars fan wants and needs and sees the fallen star, star destroyer, the ADAT that's fallen over, the 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 X-wing that's nose first in there. It's like these are the images that it's like okay, something happened, big battle, and she's just jumping around in there. Yeah, it's just beautiful, and the and like music the way it's adds everything. And like her acting is really strong, mm-hmm. and 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 the the art direction. I mean, I don't believe that she utters a word. Until um, she comes to Plo Koon, or, yeah. or is Plo that Koon, his name? Yeah, Plo Koon. Plo Koon. No, um, no, 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 no. Plo Koon is a, is a Jedi. Oh, no, um, I'm sorry. Anker Plot. Plot, yes. I believe that her first words are uttered to him when they do the exchange for the, yeah. uh, you know, for the provisions or whatever. Um, and look, you get a solid six, seven minutes of just her. Yeah. And just her in, in her environment. And look – is it as powerful to me as the Battle of Mustafar? Of course not. But as a Star Wars moment, I can watch it again and again and again and again, and I can never find a flaw with it. It, yeah. it is absolutely gorgeous. An incredible job in directing, and it gets me actually excited to see what J.J. can do for the next one because J.J. ultimately, he did direct the bleep out of that movie. Yeah, he did. You know, so he knows – he knows how to frame. He knows how to direct. He knows to set up characters. The big dig against him from some of the people out there would be he's never finished mm-hmm. a, a story that he's set up. But he's – come on. The guy can direct. The guy can direct. Yeah. And we have intro of Ray at number seven. All right. Here we go. Number six. This is one that we we, we debated. Yeah. But we both love it. We we both love it. And, and look, it is a powerful, powerful scene and one that I've been waiting for for a long time, even though I don't feel like we got enough of it. But it's pretty much the closest thing that I've gotten to what I wanted out of Revenge of the Sith. Yep. So um, it's a great scene and it's an iconic moment and I absolutely love it. It might be my favorite scene in all of the sequel movies. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty damn good. And that is Vader hallway scene in Rogue One. Come on. Yeah. You know we were going to throw it in there now. A lot of people – this was the scene that got him. Yeah. And I would say that it's perfectly timed. We just get enough. We just get, oh, my God. Yeah. When that lightsaber, when you realize there's Vader, <laughs> you, you, you hear, you hear <laughs> the breathing you hear a little the bit. Alarm. The alarm, the breathing, and then the light up. He's in the darkness. And then Vader just the music wrecks just, shit. Yeah, Michael Giacchino, great job with the music for that scene. That's uh, – that yes – Absolutely. That plays every once in a yeah. while on my Alexa. And I'm yeah, you loving know, people, people give I'm Michael loving this Giacchino. score. Yeah, the score give, is great. People give Michael Giacchino a lot of crap for that score. Yeah. Everything that he did with Vader I thought was incredible. I thought the scene of Krennic landing at the Mustafar Castle, this is great oh, music yeah. playing behind that. I thought the music during uh, the Rogue One uh, hallway scene with Vader, 
chopping down the people. Oh, yeah. It was incredible. I thought the scene when it opens up and Krennic is landing on the planet to go talk to this other dude, uh, Urso, I, I thought that that was really powerful. You know, Michael Giacchino gets a lot of crap for that score. Just for this one, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's usually well-liked, but I of would course. say listen to it again because he does some flourishes in there. A lot of people mention, like, oh, I don't really – nothing was instantly recognizable. I disagree now because I've been listening to this soundtrack. It's been playing and it's like there is some – he takes a refrain in A New Hope when Obi-Wan is telling Luke about the Clone Wars and and the Rebellion and what's kind of – what's going on with the galaxy right then and there. It's like before he says you're going to have to come with me to be a Jedi. Mm. And there's a there's a little bit of music played. That if I had it, I would I would grab it for you. But he then takes that music from Williams just a little bit and he turns it into a theme in Rogue One. Mm. So he's very aware of what came before. Yeah. He's very aware of how to get those flourishes in there. When he's talking to – when he's mentioning something to the higher-ups, when Bale is saying, oh, there's somebody I'm gonna t- I need to talk to in reference to Obi-Wan, we get a little bit of the Force theme playing. Yeah. Somebody I, tr- I, I trust my life with, yeah. Princess Leia's theme. It's great. I thought that, look, I was one of those people that also said, oh, the music wasn't great when I first saw it. The more, I, the more I've watched it, yeah, it's, the more I've gotten into it. Yep, it starts to stick with you. Yeah, but. it starts to stick with you. But yeah, look, Vader, seeing Vader like tear those people down is what I wanted to see Vader do at the Jedi Temple when he was still Anakin. Uh, or still was uh, had Anakin's uh, uh, physical features, right? Um, but seeing him do it, it wasn't against any Jedi, so there wasn't really much of a fight. Sure, but it was still such an amazing moment that, like, I can watch that again and 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 again, and I'll probably watch it later today because there is no, something. Yeah, there is something incredible about that scene. It's it's fantastic. So it does make it at number six, which then means we're opening up. Yeah, so look, these to are the top five. So, so the top five. So let's go over the bottom five one more time. Bottom five. Because the top five is where it starts getting real serious. Yep. Um, so bottom five. You bottom to- five. Number 10, Duel of Fates. Number nine, The Throne Room Battle in The Last Jedi. Number eight, Obi-Wan Anakin Duel on Mustafar. Number seven is the intro of Rey. And number six, Vader hallway scene in Rogue One. Yeah, look, it, it's not a bad, it's not a bad bottom five. Um, oh, and we got some, we got some new ones, we got some old ones. I'd probably now thinking about it, I'd probably flip Battle of Mustafar and Rey mm-hmm. to seven and eight. But look, it is what it is. It, this is the list. We're not going to change it. Not going to change um, it. But looking at it now, I, I'd probably flip those two. But in any okay. case, we move on to the. We top move on five. to the top five. Number five is a classic. That yeah. you're going to hear it and go, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, we need it. And that's the trench run. Yeah. And maybe you were saying, oh, my God, it's way too low. Or maybe it needs to be even lower, depending on your, your, your feeling for this. But the trench run is now so instantly iconic. Mm. Um, it's a part of film history. It's like, you know, every best of film, like at the Oscars, we're going to see that cut into a montage. Yeah. They're going to take that. And the way it's shot, I mean, Lucas knew what he was doing. He wanted to capture the World War II dogfighting atmosphere. He, he, he famously took footage of aerial battles and said, do this. Mm. And you get that as you're, you're going in and, and, and the camera work he does and the fact that this, these effects, 1976 are filming this thing. is coming out in 1977. They were ahead of the game here and that trench run is one of the best in film yeah. history. And I look, going back again, going back to 
the pod race, it's you can see how in in, in George Lucas's imagination, um, the reason why the, why Luke was so at home in a canyon style environment of the trench run was because when he was a kid, he used to shoot down the – what was the animal? Womp rats. The womp rats. I could bullseye womp rats yeah, with my shoot. T-16 back home. They're not much bigger than three meters. <laughs> right. Come right. on. And so you know, that's why to me, again, the pod race is just Anakin's version of the trench run. You yeah. know? Um, and the trench run – look, to me the trench run is very, very, very special because I'm going to give uh, the listeners a little insight into Collider. Yeah. Uh, when 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 my business partner and I purchased Collider, um, through the entire process, we labeled it the trench run mm. because we knew that we needed to get those lasers inside a little three meter hole for this whole thing to work because right. it was a very 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 difficult process. Yeah. Talk about the dark side and the you know and the empire on our back, yeah. people getting shot all around us, things happening. But ultimately, we were able to stick to it, use the force, mm-hmm. and land our two shots inside um, the exhaust port. Yep. Uh, and, and you know, and the whole Stardust thing we really started to pay off. So, the trench run. I mean, it is as iconic a moment in cinema as I think that has ever existed. Yeah. The fact that it's number five shows you how good Star Wars is. That there's even better stuff than that. Yeah. Yeah. You're not kidding. And there's some – I mean we're getting into these iconic moments. We're getting some – and we're scratching the surface here with a lot of this. Yeah. But the trench run lands – We could probably in, do podcasts about each of these scenes just, just, just on their own. Yeah. We could uh, – absolutely. Um, so that's at number five, the trench run. Number four – come on. This is one of the best all yeah. time. I would have put this personally a lot higher. But here it is. I'm fine with it. It's the carbonite scene in Empire Strikes Back. And Han Solo saying, I know. I come on. Yeah. Uh, it, it is it's legendary now. Yeah. It is legendary for the back uh behind the scenes stuff with Irvin Kirshner trying different dialogue. And uh, I actually watched a great video this weekend about some of the like the kind of the history of Star Wars. It was a great YouTube channel. I wish it just popped in my head. So I'll make sure and, and, and give it some proper credit when I can look it up. But it was that scene and it was talking about that scene and it cuts to Kirshner saying, I don't know. It's not working, man. Harrison, why don't you just just do something? Say whatever you want. And he says, OK, I love you. I know. And he went. That was great. That's Han Solo. Yeah. All right, let's That's move on. Because there was some dialogue, I think, that was that was in there that she says, I love you, and he says, I love you too. I've never felt this way before. <gasps> Me neither. And then he's put or something like that. I'm paraphrasing, it's awful, but the I love you. I know. I mean, that's all Harrison Ford. Yeah, look, and it's what what is a moment what is an I love you moment supposed to do in a movie? And I look, we can hearken back to the I love you so very deeply, whatever, the scene from, from uh, Attack of the Attack Clones, of the Clones that yeah. gets maligned so much. Mm. And it's because what, what the purpose of an I love you scene is, is to create a, a chemistry between these two people that in real life you know, don't really love each other per se, even though sure. I do believe Harrison and Carrie. Yeah, they, yeah, they got it on. Yeah, they got they, it they on. They had a, a romance in, uh, during the original. Yeah, so. yeah. So you know, even though they had real life chemistry from a, from a from a character perspective, 
the chemistry between um, Han and Leia is really well introduced, I think, in the open of Empire Strikes Back mm-hmm. when they're like, ah, oh, come on, you know, yeah, you know, like, you know, you don't want me to leave because of the way you feel about me. Right. You know, so that was a very, very good setup. It was very, yeah, we, it, it, it was a great setup. I mean, they, they had a, they had a, like a bogey Bacall banter. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. That you, they were just... It, you know, they had the Sam and Diane thing. Yep, Sam and Diane. You know, yeah, from that's Cheers. From for all, Cheers. For our I was audience. saying Bogey Bacall, like Casablanca. <laughs> yeah. So just take, uh, you could even say Harry, Sally, you know, from right. when Harry met Sally. Just, they were just like this. So, and then they do fall in love. And then yeah. it's just such a moment for Han Solo. And like nothing solidifies to me, I think, the love between two characters in cinema, much like the way that... Harrison Ford solidifies that tenderness of their relationship with such a cocky thing like I know and then he falls into the you know into the carbonite chamber yeah. and gets frozen I mean it, it's absolutely incredible uh it's truly a movie magic moment you it, know it really is you you talk all about that Visually, it's stunning. I mean, he goes down. His legs, he goes up like this as it, and then smoke clears Vader's face, and there's Boba Fett. And oh, the yeah. stakes couldn't Sets be up a higher. Great little cliffhanger too for Return of the Jedi. Great cliffhanger, and you know, a lot of people read it differently. I always read his "I know" is "I'll be back. Don't worry about me. I know you love me. I'm coming back because I love you." And he's Han Solo. You can't really say it right there. That's just for me. Yeah, I love it. So you it's know, a. Look, yeah, for me, just to follow up on that point, I, I think his "I know" um, is a sign of respect for her love. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I know that you love me. Yeah, and I and and that means a lot to me. Yeah, you know. Um, but I but I really took it also that the first time you see Leia in Return of the Jedi, you have that "I love you, I know" thing playing in your head. Mm-hmm. So you know how important this rescue is for her. Yeah. You know, and like you even see it in the first time that like, you know, when look, I'll never forget this when I was a kid. You don't know that that's Leia. Like the first time you ever watch right. it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You really don't know it's her. Nope. And then you get that nice scene where everybody's sleeping and she sneaks in and rescues him. And then, like, everybody's actually, in fact, awake, looking, you know, waiting for this whole thing to happen. Right. Um, and then that consummation, that scene where, where Leia kisses a sort of, you know, heart, uh, you know hibernated Han Solo. It's, right. It's a great, weird love scene. It, it really is, yeah. And you, you, you nailed it. I, I'm trying to conjure those memories because yeah. when you see I have very clearly, Bausch yeah. walk in, the bounty hunter Bausch that you think this person is – and it's creepy too because for me as a kid, she, can't, she takes him out of carbonite and what is this person doing? Yeah. Or he's in danger. Who is this? This is bad. This is bad. And then sure, there's there's that, that voicing like, just relax for a moment. Yeah. You're free of the carbonite. Yeah. You have hibernation sickness. It's so great. It's so unsettling. And then yeah. someone who loves you, Leia. It's a and great reveal oh, because the first reveal. time I went, look, I was a kid. Yeah. Maybe eight years old, nine years old, but I remember it. I remember being surprised that it was Leia. Oh, yeah. And I remember fighting a kid, a little kid. I won. I punched him yeah. for that action figure. 
you couldn't get her action figure anywhere in her in her bounty hunter disguise. And when I finally found it, there it is. A guy grabs for it. I grab for it. We start doing this, <laughs> and then I'm like, bam! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next I actually time, have sucker. that one or had that one. Yeah. Oh man, that's, that's a good one. That's one of my favorite figures. So we got uh, Han. I know Frozen and Carbonite is number four. That gets us into the top three. Here we go. Yeah. Number three. And it's Luke pulls off the mask of Vader at the end of Return of the Jedi, sees his father for the very first time. Yeah. We're calling it the unmasking of Vader. The unmasking of Vader. By Luke. By Luke. Now, this one I have a special kind of connection to. It always gives me chills. Always some of the – I mean some of the best work in Mark Hamill's career is that look he gives Vader when the mask comes off. He does this like, oh my god. Like it's almost like – and the feelings that I get are you've spent three movies with this monster and then when the mask is pulled off, it just – Lucas reminding everybody that darkness is within anyone, even in this broken man and that you can also be redeemed. And that there was something so tragically sad but hopeful in that reveal of the mask coming off. It still hits me to this day. It really gets me and it's Mark Hamill's um, reaction as well that really just sticks with me. I feel myself getting verklempt yeah. talking about it. Look, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I think the unmasking of Vader by Luke um, – First of all, it sounds like a, like like the name of a painting that I should maybe commission yeah. or try to paint myself. The unmasking of Vader by Luke. By Luke yeah. um, is to me, you know, you always use this little phrase that I like. I like this phrase, which is when you're dealing with trilogies, you create the new added pressure of sticking the landing. Yeah. Or or, or when you're dealing with film in general. Yeah, you always want to stick the landing, you especially for the, the landing. ending. And to me, nothing has ever stuck the landing more than Luke getting those few seconds Ugh. with his dad. You know? That see, that's exactly. Yes. See, I didn't even place it in my head like that. Yeah. But when you said that, it's just like, oh, again, it just gets you right there in the feels because he only has moments. He only has seconds. Yeah. You know, and this is something this is something that that if you take the prequels um, as part of the chronological order, which of course you should, uh, everything dealing with the prequels, everything dealing with the original trilogy, was all this, you know, four decades or five decades of time pass so that two men, a father and a son, could have one tender moment in yeah. the span of five to ten seconds. Oh my god! You're gonna make me cry. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> this this is like this is why I love Star Wars too. Is just when you revisit and you talk about it and you get this person's reaction to it. Yeah, and they say something that makes you go, "Oh, I didn't even think of it that way." Yeah, and, and and look, it's a beautiful, beautiful moment because there's never any oh, and like you know that that scene where where it's it's half. Um, um, you know the um, the the voice of James Earl Jones, and then it shifts over to the actor who plays Anakin. Uh, I always forget his name. Sebastian Shaw. Sebastian Shaw, um, which is like, let me see you with my own eyes. Oh, so good! But you'll die. But you'll die. Nothing like, can stop that now. Nothing can stop that. I just want to see you with my own eyes, and and that moment where you see this feeble, like you said during our debate. Um, earlier on when we were yelling at each other, <laughs> this this feeble old man staring at his son 
you know, and this his son at the height of his power staring back at his father. Yeah. And they never even talk about it. They never even think about that stuff. All right. they want to think about is that this is a moment between father and son. Yeah. You know, and look, it's a beautiful, beautiful moment. Top to me to, you know, hard for me to top. Mm-hmm. There are two other scenes coming up here in two and one that I think are equally powerful right. for different reasons. For different reasons, yeah. Um, but on the unmasking of Vader by Luke, which should definitely be a painting. Um, and if any of you uh, illustrators out there want to create a rough illustration of it, I might actually try to get it painted. But the there unmasking of Vader by Luke yeah. um, is really the culmination of six movies worth of story. Yes, it is. And it and they stick the landing. It yeah. is. It's a moment that I'll always remember. It's a moment that stuck with me as a kid. Um, and to Sebastian Shaw's credit as well, the, the acting he does when the mask comes off and he looks at Luke, it's phenomenal. It's great. And, and like you know what? Like it's funny. You talk about never thinking about something before until you, you talk about it. I yeah. just realized this is the real ending of Return of the Jedi. Mm. Everything that comes after is an epilogue. Yeah, absolutely. This is the ending of Return of the Jedi. This is, the, the, this is, this is what the whole trilogy was about yeah. and prequels until George yeah. went and back. Then he, and then with, with uh, that scene, once the Death Star is falling apart and he's carrying Vader off the Death Star. Mm-hmm. And Vader's still alive at this point. Right. Uh, it's funny. You never – I don't believe you actually ever see Vader's last breath. You mean in the suit? Or just say, him taking the last breath, breath you mean? Do you? No. Yeah, uh, I mean he closes his eyes. What's, what I always remember. Because he's carrying him. He carries him and then he gets him to the shuttle Tidarian. He gets him to the shuttle and on the ramp. But when he's carrying him, Vader's walking. Yeah, he's kind of like needing the help. So he hasn't died yet. No. It happens. He puts him right. It, this happens all right at the shuttle. Then he gets in and flies off. But in the shuttle, do you see him close his eyes and, and die? On the shuttle, yes. Yeah. On the, not on the shuttle, but on the ramp. On the ramp, that's right. That's right. They're that's in right. the whole, you know, the, the docking bay, wherever that but, is. But and, is there dialogue in that scene? I gotta mm-hmm. watch that again. Oh yeah. It's like, uh, uh, how does it start? Oh god! But it's like, uh, you know, Luke, help me take this mask off. But you'll die. Nothing can stop that now. Just for once, I want you look well, on right, you right. with your the own. The whole eye. scene happens. Right there in front of the shuttle. In front of the shuttle. Yep. Not right where he threw Vader uh, no. or the Emperor down the thing. It ends with him holding him, holding Vader, and we have that bird's eye view of them on the on the Right, and the then landing. it cuts to then him. Then it cuts to him walking. And then he, he puts him down, the and then they have this moment, yep. the unmasking of Vader by Luke. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's it. That's powerful it. stuff, It's man. powerful, and that's number I'm gonna three. I'm going to watch that again when we get off of here, just, just to – Soak that scene in again, you know, and, and and I recommend you guys do too. And wh- whatever artist is out there that can, you know, think it's, about it as like an old French, you know, uh, or like classical painting, but like the works of Jacques uh, Louis David, mm, like the Death of Socrates, or, th- or something like this. It's biblical, man. Yeah, the unmasking of Vader by Luke. It's great. Yeah. Okay, so okay. N- number two. Yeah, this, this is, is a, this is a personal favorite for yeah, both of us. To me, it's my personal favorite. Yeah. It's it's my personal and number one, and there's there's a lot of reasons why. Yeah, because when it comes to parables, I mm-hmm. think there's no thing that I've daydreamed more about than this. Yeah, and 
there's a lot that goes into this. Now, we could say the character. We can talk about that, which we will. We can say the music. We can set the, the setting, yeah. the stakes of the story. But for me, it's, uh, it's, it's something that's like the beginning of the adventure for the hero to become a Jedi. Mm. And that is Luke in the Wampa Cave, upside down, using the Force for the very first time and getting that lightsaber and saving his butt. There is the reason I love this so much is so many reasons. Story, his first step to a larger world, using the force, the music, John Williams score, the swelling of the force theme as like you have the danger and you have the wampa, the noises, the sound effects, and then this just this moment where he just gets himself and calms down. He hears Obi Wan. In the book he hears Obi Wan. Yeah. yeah. It's not in the t- it's not, it's in, the not movie. in the movie, but yeah, in the book it's use the force, and he reaches out and the music plays and it's the best use of the music, hands down for me. It's my favorite refrain of the force theme. It's it's redoing the the twin suns and looking out in the distance, mm. but he has to put it to work. I mean, this is life or death, and it's the very first time in the Star Wars movies that we see. Oh, the force is also telekinetic. We can. Yeah, you, you know, use our mind to pull objects right. to us. I mean, which is probably the most iconic thing of the Force, right? Is the ability to manipulate th- things telekinetically. I mean, that's what we would run around as kids doing yeah. afterwards. I mean, you believe me? How many of you have done this? You're doing your Luke Skywalker, and then you're just like, okay, at this point, I'm going to say this line, and then you throw me the lightsaber, and I'm going to pretend I use the Force. Ready? Go. Okay. <laughs> you're not going to take me, Emperor. There it is, you know. You, yeah. you 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 play that thing. It's, I would play this scene over and over and over again. I would hang it. I would hang upside down on the on the jungle gym, and I'd put a stick in the sand, and I would hang there and try to recreate it. I mean, this was my childhood. Yeah, <laughs> freaking love this one. Yeah, I mean, look, this is the this is the moment where the Star Wars films now tell you, you know what? Guess guess what? It's really about mind over matter. Mm-hmm. You know, the power of the mind is where the force comes from. Yeah. So that if you focus hard enough, if you center yourself well enough, if you really channel everything that you believe is special about you into one point in space and time, you can make the impossible possible. Oh, love you know? That. And that, to me, is what Luke in the Wampa Cave is all about, you know? And that is, I think, the biggest, most powerful parable that Star Wars has given us. And even though, look, number one scene, I I admit, is the coolest moment in Star Wars history. But to me, the most important in terms of what I love about Star Wars, which is using Star Wars really as a philosophical handbook for doing the impossible— yeah, you know, for being the the hero against all odds, for for not being afraid again to stand in front of the entire empire with just a laser sword and think you could win, you right? Know? Um, and it's Luke in the Wampa Cave, knowing the thing's gonna come, and like you know, you said it perfectly, like clenching his fist and then just relaxing. And he relaxes, yeah. And then like a little callback to Qui Gon, if you think about it. Mm. Qui-Gon, Duel of Fates, what happens, right? He has to – he's doing uh, – he's yeah. you know, dueling with Maul and he goes and he, and he meditates. Yeah. There's a split second where Luke 
everything is going wrong, right? He was just taken from a wampa. He's in an ice cave. God knows where he is. His tauntaun's been eaten, and he's in the middle of nowhere where it's 30 below zero or whatever. Yeah. All of that, a lesser man would crack, but Luke has to just center himself. Okay, because he's never used the force, maybe. We don't know. We don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's the first canon we material. Know, we know that he uses it. And I'm sure he did. I'm sure there's canon junkies out there. Nope, he did it. He uses in an it episode. to move something. But using it to move something is the first time we've seen it in that yeah. particular moment. We didn't have comic books. We didn't have anything it, it, this Star Wars related at this moment. So watching him do it, center himself, I felt the stakes. Like if he – I mean think about it. And, and the and saber rattling in the, the snow. The saber rattling. And, and he was dog meat. He was dead. He was dead to rights. This wampa was going to eat him. Yeah. And even there was a great Dark Horse comic run called uh, Star Wars Infinities that did one moment would change and it would change the story. And they would – they did it for each movie in the original trilogy. And the Empire Strikes Back version was the wampa actually kills Luke. What would that do to the story of Empire Strikes Back? Everything shifts over to Leia, and it's a very fascinating, fun story. Yeah. But it's because he dies in the cave. Look in uh, in Force Awakens at the end of Force Awakens, um, and you know when I was at Star Wars Celebration a few years back, Luke read the scene where the the saber is in the snow. Yeah, and he was convinced that was his moment. That that was the moment that he shows back up in the movie, and he was like, "Okay, you made me wait all this moment." But now this makes sense. This is poetic. I get a chance and I'll step in. Yeah. This is where you intro me. Of course, it didn't work out that way. Right. But the echo of that moment in that scene, everybody in the cinema, the first time they see in Force Awakens that saber rattling in the snow, are all thinking the same thing. This is Luke's moment. Yeah. You know, we don't get Luke's moment, but we don't. And it's Ray's moment and it echoes Luke's moment yeah. from the the, and the it's cave. Like Stanley Kubrick um had this one great line. I forget where I read it, but he was like um, that his his biggest sort of um, guilty pleasure mm-hmm. as a filmmaker was being self-referential, mm. you know, where in his own movies, he would refer to his own movies right. and be inspired by his own work. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino, if you, you can string together all his movies – with the you know Applejack uh, cigarettes or you know some of the names that you know carry over from film to film, self-referential. Yeah, the self-referencing thing of that lightsaber in the snow was very very powerful. Yeah, I agree. But with anyway, all that. I, they gave us the red light. They gave which us the I red don't light. Care about, but yeah, I know you can say no. You're the boss, but but it means we, that we're getting closer. Well, to we, number one, we are at number one. Yeah, we are. Number this one. is, uh, and I, I bet everybody at home playing along knows what we're about to say because it is probably the most recognizable and biggest earth-shattering, yeah. tectonic plates moving underneath the ground. And often misquoted. And often misquoted, and that is the father reveal. Yes, that's right. Darth Vader revealing himself to Luke Skywalker on Bespin that, no, I am your father. It's not Luke, I am your father. That, no, that's the big. I am your father. Because when everybody says, oh, the, the, the most iconic line in Empire Strikes Back is Luke, I am your father. And it's like, no, 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 no. You know, let's, I'm going to split hairs here. I'm a nerd. I know this dialogue down to a T yeah. because of my time doing all the Star Wars plays and this and loving this movie. But he says, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. Luke says, he told me enough. He told me you killed him. And he says, no, I am your father. 
I wish Powerful. I could go back. I was in the theater. Yeah. I just don't remember. I don't remember that moment. I remember other moments from Empire Strikes Back when I was in the theater. When Darth Vader stormed Hoth, I had to go to the bathroom because I was scared shitless. I was shaking, and my uncle had to take me. He said, you okay? Yeah, I'm good. Let's go back. <laughs> right. But this, this, this was earth-shattering. It really subverted your expectations, I'm, sh- I- I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's what a lot of people will always comment in the Star Wars saga. It's this line. Look, it's the ultimate twist in storytelling when it yes. comes to cinematic history, definitely. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it created – it was such an incredible twist that it solidified this trilogy in such an interesting way where the good guy was the bad guy, the bad guy was the good guy. Yeah. It, it put a great big gray hat on top of this movie Mm. Um, and it really sort of I think gets to the point of Star Wars which is that good people can make bad decisions and and, and bad people can make good decisions Um, and it's there is a blurry line to morality you know that's that's look I think still completely um, not fully explored in mm-hmm. in in, um, in, um, in uh, movies, you know, mm-hmm. which is something that I get excited about. You know, it's like I think one one reason that I reacted so positively to Dexter and feel so lucky to have been around that project and 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 work on that show is that Dexter is obviously a bad guy, right? But there's elements of his choices that make him heroic. Yeah, you know, and I think when you first hear Darth Vader say, no, Luke, I am your father, that it puts everything into flux. Mm-hmm. Because now Luke, even though his first reaction is no, right, just like Anakin's first reaction or Darth Vader's first reaction when he hears Padme's death is no, which I, which I think is not a you know coincidence. I no, think it's, it's not. A, it's by design. It's totally by design. Um, yeah. Agreed. His, his – um, his internalization of this realization when he's on – it's a, another one of these beautiful – I think it's actually my favorite ending mm-hmm. of maybe all the movies. Mine, yeah. is Is when he's holding his hand around Leia mm. and they're looking out the window and um, he's happy. Luke is happy that his dad's alive. Yeah. It, it goes from this shock and horror to this um, – you know, this like new commitment to this mission that now I know what I'm supposed to do. Couldn't put it better myself. And it, and, it, and it plays. You can see it because then the next movie, Luke says, you couldn't kill me up there. I know there's good in you. Yeah. He's even arguing against his masters. Obi-Wan and Yoda are saying, no, 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 no. You got to go. You got to go face him again. Yeah. It's not going to end well. He's like, I can't kill my own father. Well, then the emperor has already won. You're yeah. our only hope. It, there's so much playing just from that one line and changing, subverting our expectations, putting a gray hat, as you so eloquently put, putting a gray hat on the on the on this whole idea. But it also introduces one of the most lasting themes in Star Wars that I would say that was the moment, and that's redemption. Yeah. Can the possibility it, of redemption. The possibility. Can, at that moment when he says, no, I am your father, I mean, first you're in shock. Because it, it's so well crafted in yeah. this reveal, um, one of the greatest 
And, uh, and I think that it really then makes you question morality. It makes you question who is good, who is bad, what's your definition of it, and then the hard questions, can this person be redeemed? Yeah, and then look, I, I, I also think that Luke's conviction after he hears this is one where his knee-jerk reaction is no, and he just literally throws That's himself. Impossible. Yeah, no, he throws himself off this thing, not knowing where the hell he's going to end up. He's basically committing suicide. He is committing suicide. I always say this because he's faced with a choice. You can either join me and actually get off that thing and, and come with me. Or that's it. And he looks down and death is better. Yeah. I truly believe he didn't think he was going to be. And it was the will of the force that got him there. Yeah. And once he survived this ordeal and he had time to internalize it is when his convictions arose. And I'm going to save him. And, and he understood this purpose. Yeah. He understood that little nagging in the back of his head that he had when he was looking at those two twin sons mm. that I'm meant for more than this. Great call. Yeah. And what he's meant for was to redeem his father who was a broken down man. Yeah. And like what what a what a what a more noble mission for a for a person to have than to make right for his family. You Absolutely. know? Um, and look, no I am your father is number one on our top ten Star Wars moments of all there time. It is. There's some things on this list that I I absolutely love. I think the top five is very strong. Yeah. I would probably switch Battle of Mustafar and Rey from seven to eight, but it is what it is. Rey is seven, Mustafar is eight. Yeah. Um, Look, one thing's for sure. I'm glad that we came out of the other side. We came out on the other side, stronger people, better people now that we got it out. That was a good show. That is. That's episode 25, Rule of Two. Happened. It's there. It's in the books. And we have our top 10 moments. What are your top 10 moments? We do want to hear from seriously. Drop in those comments now. Put them in. Don't even think about it. Just what comes to your gut. Go, oh, well, this one, this one, this one. Or yeah. take your time. We're going to read them. Or, or, or tell us which ones we got wrong. Yeah. Where Do we change the order up a little bit? Are you shocked that we didn't have one over the other? You let us know because yeah, read, this was read, fun. Read the top ten one last time just so we Top have... ten is number one, No, I Am Your Father. Two, Luke Saber in the Wampa Cave. Three, Luke Pulls the Mask Off. Or as you put it, give me the title. The Unmasking of Vader by Luke, which is the name of the painting. The name of the painting. Number four is uh, Han and Carbonite. I know. Number five is The Trench Run. Number six is The Vader Hallway Scene in Rogue One. Number uh, Sorry, number seven is Intro of Rey in Force Awakens. Number eight, Obi-Wan, Anakin, Mustafar Duel. Number nine, the throne room battle in The Last Jedi. And number 10, Duel of Fates. It's a good cool list. list. It's a very cool list, but we do want to hear from you. I, I'm excited for this, actually. And yeah. a big shout out to at Joseph SC underscore 79. Joseph, thank you for your question. It got us. Yeah. And it's, it's questions like that. questions coming in. You can tag us on Twitter, at Riley Around, at Mark Fernandez. You can drop some comments in this video. We are on Collider Videos, the main channel. Rule of Two is up there on Collider Videos, and you're listening to us on the Jedi Council Podcast One feed, where you can get that on Spotify and on Apple. Why don't you just give us a rating if you like this show? And and starting uh, starting with this episode, we're going to be dropping at 7 a.m. Tuesdays yes. Pacific, 10 a.m. Tuesdays Eastern. That's right. You heard it here. You'll be ready for it. We're dropping every Tuesday morning, so share that out there with all your friends as well. And teasing for next week. We might have a stellar episode. We have a potential guest. 
You're going to listen to the episode where, where it looks good. I'm not saying anything yet for fear of jinxing it, but it's going to be one of the best episodes of Rula 2 you've ever heard. Can ambitious you, episode. It's ambitious. So stay tuned for next Tuesday. Enjoy this one. In the meantime, give us that rating. Tell your friends. Hit us up on Twitter. And thank you very much for making Rula 2 a part of your day. Episode 25 in the books. We're out. Rise. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. The Medicare annual election period deadline is coming soon. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who found the key to the right coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online. I took my time and found the best Medicare Advantage plan for me at MyHealthPolicy.com. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plan, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com. And finally, Michael. I prefer face-to-face, so I chose MyHealthPolicy.com and enrolled on the spot. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. MyHealthPolicy.com. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call.